This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the program. Glad you're here today. I want to get right to our next guest because there's lots to get to, and we're going to kick it off by talking about the best player in the world, period, someone who's had the Hart Trophy wrapped up for quite some time now, and that is Connor McDavid, uh, being joined by one of my favorite people, Louis DeBrusque. Louis, how are you today, sir? I'm doing well today, Jeff. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Let's get the uh, let's get the really great stuff out of the way. Um, Connor <laughs> McDavid. I mean, I don't know. Jeez, it, it's so challenging because you know when it comes to someone like Connor McDavid, do people want too much information? Yes, they do. I just don't know what more we can say about him at this point. Like, I would love to talk about Connor McDavid every day and be able to pull things out of what I see with my immature eyeballs all the time, but I never played. You understand the game more than I do. You see different Connor McDavid things than I do. When you watch Connor as someone who's played and understands the game and your son plays against them, like what comes to your mind? Like what do you see about McDavid that maybe someone like me doesn't see in Connor McDavid? Well, <clears throat> two things. Um, the first thing for me is I've never seen a player that demands the amount of respect when he's on the ice from the opposition. And what I mean by that is, and I remember back in the day, I can, and trust me, Jeff, my message was this from the coach. If you jump on the ice and 99 jumps on the ice for the LA Kings, and this is in my rookie year, get off as fast as possible because mm-hmm. that's not the matchup we want. <laughs> you know? so, and that was just the way it was. It, it truly was. You know, you'd have matchup lines, you'd have lines designated, yeah. try and shut down. Yeah. But honestly, that's kind of what it was. You were looking over your shoulder, okay, who's coming over the boards next? Are they trying to get a different matchup? You were completely aware of that. <clears throat> now, there might be two or three lines. Now, what I mean by that is when, when he's on the ice, he just demands a lot of attention. He demands a lot of attention, and you're always in the back of your mind as the opposition facing Connor. You have to understand where he is. Is he ratcheting up speed? Is he going to get this puck with speed? Do we have to increase our gap? I mean, all of these things are going on in players' heads while they're playing against them. <clears throat> and I've never really seen that with any other player um, for a long time, for a long, long time. So in the modern game, that's the thing that stands out to me the most. Uh, I know that coaches will always say it's about us. It's not about the opposition. But more often than not, the coaches will say, listen, with this guy and with Dreisaitl, the way they combine, yes, we need to be aware. We need to be aware when he's on the ice, and we want to try and have the right people. You're not always going to have that, and sometimes you're just going to have to go out there and do a job. Um, and the teams that are successful against Edmonton do that job. But that that's kind of how much... Uh, you have to be aware of number 97 being on the ice because he can burn you. And if he gets the right matchup, um, the other thing that I was going to say about Connor is he has an awareness. He has an, an acute awareness of any weakness on the ice. And I think all great players have that. I think all great players can look up and say, that's a forward playing de- defense. I'm going to attack him. Um, that's, a, that's a guy that's been out there for a minute and 30 seconds. He's tired. It's time for me to attack that guy. They have an unbelievable ability to know where everybody is on the ice, how long they've been on the ice, the situation that's going on. And that's where he, a lot of times, will get matchups is late in the shift. He, he will wait for that little bit of a weakness to show itself. And once it does, he exploits it. And that's just a player that I think has learned to manage his game at the top of his level. And that, that's, that's probably why we're seeing an even better Connor McDavid. Now, I don't necessarily think that he's faster. He's more skilled. Yeah, he's worked on his shot. He's always had a great shot, though. Um, I, don't, I think right now he just 
Yeah. He processes and understands the game more now than he did when he was younger, and he manages his own game to pick his spots a little bit better when he's going to go for those rushes. That's what I see from him right now. He's always been the elite player he is, yeah. but now he's just putting it together in the package um, that much better. So if you're a, um, if you're a head coach then, whose yep. team is playing, we'll say like Peter DeBoer, Dallas, like Edmonton plays Dallas on Thursday night. You're Peter DeBoer. And, you know, you, uh, if you're at home, um, in this case, this game is in Edmonton, but if you're at home and you can dictate who goes out there against McDavid, are you more concerned about the forwards that are on the ice when McDavid is out there or the D pair? It's a good question. I would both, but I would say probably more the D pair. I, I, I really feel that teams try and negate his possession. It's impossible. He's going to get the puck because he'll come all the way back in his own zone to get it. He's usually back. That's the other thing, too, is he's playing more of a 200-foot game. He's always tried to work on that. But because he's back in the defensive zone, he's usually the one that's kind of making that play in front of the net, to the side of the net, supporting a defense on a little reversal, picking up that puck with speed. He doesn't necessarily go end-to-end in that situation. A lot of times he's looking to give that puck up, gain speed, get to a better position, and get it back at the right time. That's when he's a real problem is when he gets that puck at full speed. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say if you're attacking him, you're, if you're, you're playing up against Connor teams, well, I know that this is part of the plan. They try and deny him the puck. Or when he does get the puck, they want to be on him right when he gets it. So you don't want to allow him to have that space to get it, control it, and then pick his lane where he wants to go. You almost want to crowd him when he has the puck or right when he gets the puck. Now, that's a lot easier said than done because, number one, you got to stay with the fast. You got to stay with the fastest guy in the league. Like, I mean, so, yeah, it's, it's yeah. all fine and dandy when you write it up on the board and you talk about it in the pregame meeting and say, listen, we're going to go out and this is what we're going to do against 97. And trust me, every single team tries to do it, the best teams in the league. But it, it's roll the dice. It's, it's here we go. This, this is going to be – and that's why I'm saying I don't think that there's anybody right now that demands the respect that he does as far as the opponent knowing when he's on the ice. It's, it's incredible. It really is. Mm-hmm. I watch – when I'm down between the benches, I'm watching. And – and, you know, listen, Jay Woodcross has been very smart with that. He understands the weapon he has at his disposal. So he's not afraid to do a quick little double shift and get 97 right back on the ice. And, and, and why wouldn't you? I would do the same thing. Because, of, number one, it's a little bit different matchup. You're, you're putting it in your favor, and you're also keeping the opposition guessing and scrambling on their bench. <clears throat> Excuse me, Jeff, to try and get the right guys on the ice that you potentially might want. But... Uh, yeah, it's pretty impressive. I, th- I think that all the greatest players in the game have changed the way the game is played, have changed, has ch- have changed the way that the other teams play the game against them, to be more specific. And Connor McDavid is no uh-huh. different. There is a game plan against him. You try and go out there and, and um, you know, do, do well on that plan, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, but execute everything you can. But at the same time, you're never going to take maybe the most yeah. creative, the fastest, and the best, the best, most advanced hockey player we've ever seen. Bob Stoffer used that word, and I'm going to steal it from him because I really like the way he said that. Um, I, it's hard for me to say Wayne Gretzky isn't the best player in the game. I mean, when I look at the stats and he leads by assists alone points, I, you know, for me, and it was yep. my era growing up, obviously the great one, it's very hard for me to say Wayne Gretzky wasn't the, the best player that's ever played the game, because in my opinion, he was. But I'm going to tell you this right now, and I'm going to steal this from Bob again, Connor McDavid is the most advanced player we've seen. 
and therefore probably the best hockey player we've seen. But he's got a long way to go to catch number 99, but you could argue that he is the best game, best player we've ever seen in the game right now. Uh, no doubt. Um, I want to ask about the Oilers specifically. So a couple of things, and I want to get to that Boston game um, and how they did that because nobody does that. Well, I mean, until Edmonton got to them, you know, come back in the third period um, against the Boston yeah. Bruins. That's that at yeah. that point it was uncharted territory. Um, but I look at this Edmonton team, and it's powerful. It's loaded. It's deep. It's fun. Uh, they're must-watch television, and I can't help in the back of my mind, you know, that little feeling that just, like, eats at you as you're watching the Oilers, Oilers and thinking about the playoffs. Is the goaltending good enough? Really, do you think this goaltending is good enough? Like, we know what Connor's going to give. We know what Leon's going to give, whether it's on one leg, as we saw last playoffs, or or two legs. We know what Matthias Ekholm brings. We're, we know what an emerging defenseman Evan Bouchard is. Is the goaltending good enough? Like, I know it's not McDavid, Dreisaitl level, but is it good? I don't know. There are some teams that can just win and don't need a late-level net-minding to do so. That happens. There's is been a lot this, of though, on that Is way. this tandem good enough? There has been. If and that's were, why I look at this yeah, and I say, okay, lot, so they don't have, they don't have Sorokin, they don't have Shashurkin. Yeah. yeah. No question. I, I, listen, I think Stuart Skinner has been really good this year. Jack Campbell's been great in stretches and not so great in stretches. So I think that there's they've, they've supported and complemented each other well to, to navigate through the season. And I would say it's very similar to Mike Smith and Miko Koskinen. Koskinen, sorry. Um, with the way that they kind of, one guy would roll for a while, the other guy would step in there. In the end, you've got to pick a goaltender. Right now, if, you, if the playoffs were starting tomorrow, it's Stuart Skinner that's starting the playoffs for me. And that's just the way the season yep. is unfolding. That's not to say that Jack Campbell's not going to come in next year and stand on his head and, and play unbelievable. I, I, I always believe that you're only judged from your last year, right? You're only judged from what you did in the previous year. How are you going to carry that forward into the next year? Your question is the goaltending good enough. I do believe that the team defense plays the way that they've shown they can play in stretches of this season. I do believe the goaltending is good enough. And the reason I say that is because I don't just like to put it on the goalie. This team can score enough goals, and I believe they're going to score enough goals in the playoffs too. I really believe that. I don't think you're going to be able to deny them from their chances. The way they play the game, the way they've been challenged all year long, they don't get B games from anybody because of Connor. They don't. The teams coming in to play the Edmonton Oilers are ready for them, just like the Boston Bruins. People are ready. Teams are ready for that team because of what they've done this season. So because of that adversity already they're facing on a nightly basis, which we don't talk about enough, um, and about what we just talked about previously, how teams prepare to play against the Oilers, uh, every single game they're having to go through that. And the only thing that I see that is holding them back from being a great, great team is consistency in that discipline to play the game the right way. Those little brain farts that you know, so often happen at a game where you just allow a team to have a turnover. You you throw a pizza like last night, Bouchard trying to make that pass with a two-goal lead up the middle yep. and Giroux knocks it down. I mean, those are little things, and, and I understand why those plays are made because you look up, you think you've got a lane, but until you buckle down mentally and say, okay, we're closing this sucker out and it's going to be boring and we're going to do everything by the book here. We're going to mash that puck along the wall. We're going to make tape-to-tape passes. We're going to get pucks in behind, and we're going to grind this win out. 
And that's what happens in the playoffs, I believe. And I believe it brings out the best in Edmonton and why we saw them able to navigate through the Los Angeles Kings that pushed them to seven, through the Flames in the second yeah. round, which everybody thought that series was going to go different. And I do believe they could have won some games off the Avalanche with a couple bounces here or there. But that, I just believe it brings the best out of them. And, and now it's at the point where it's this has to be done now. This isn't a choice. When this team gets to a point in the regular season where they play with that mentality, where this isn't a choice anymore to play this way, they're a very difficult team to play against. And I know you mentioned the Boston game, and that's what they did in the Boston game. They didn't relent from that mm. disciplined approach to the game. They didn't open it up. They tr- didn't try and throw hope passes through the missile. They gr- through the middle. They grinded that game out. And for the first time, and I've watched every Bruins game, and there's been teams that have played them really hard this year, they stayed in that pressure for the duration of that game. And then in the end, they got production because they can score goals. It's about defending, and it always has been about defending. And I know goaltending goes hand-in-hand with that. It's very difficult for me just to put it on the goaltenders because I watch this team on a nightly basis. And for me, when they're playing real sound, solid defense, your goaltenders typically make the saves. They really do. Yeah, they're going to give up a bad one here and there. But, I mean, Stuart Skinner, I don't know the exact stat. Jeff, I know you're way more of a stat guy than him, but I think it's 21 to 27 now that he's given up three or less goals against in the last 27 games. I'll have to check that. It's close to that. It's right around there. I think six times he's given up more than three in that span. That's giving your team a chance to win in this league when you have the highest scoring team in the league. So if that's the way you need to play the game, then play the game that way. But if you can buckle down just a little, little bit more in the details of the defensive side of the game, which I know they work on every day, that's where you become a really hard team to beat. Well, look at the Toronto game. Look at the Toronto game. I know, I know we, you know what, we talk about the Toronto game, it's, that was a game that was in control. Yeah. Now, credit, credit Toronto. They're one of the better teams in the league. I'm not going to sit here and say that this was, I mean, they've done it to a lot of teams this year. They can put the puck in the net too. But, those were self-inflicted wounds. You know, yes, they were in the right position, but you're trying to pass again through sticks. You're, you're, you're on the, the offensive side of a puck and you're giving an outnumbered rush. All those little things, you know, start to come into the equation. And those are the details of the game that I think every coach talks about, and it's no different in Edmonton. That's what they talk yep. about here a lot is playing the right way. Must see TV, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, they continue to be. Uh, Louis, you are thorough. Uh, man, I love having you on. Um, thanks so much for this, as always. Uh, take care. Enjoy the next game, and we'll we'll chat soon. Sounds good, Jeff. Always a pleasure, bud. There he is, the great Louis DeBrusque. Uh, covers the Edmonton Oilers for the NHL on Sportsnet. You also see him and hear him on Hockey Night in Canada as well. Um, I love talking to Lou. Lou is such a... Like, you can't... There's no frivolous answer from Louis DeBrusque. He will give you something thorough. And Edmonton, man, the thing that I like, and you saw this yesterday in the Ottawa game, if you watched it, did you not get the sense that Ottawa, that Edmonton was playing with this idea that, you know, we can end the Ottawa Senators season here. There's that killer instinct, even though it's a different conference, we can end it for the Ottawa Senators. And we saw that last year in the playoffs against the Flames. It's almost as if they were skating with the idea that if we do this right, we can break the Calgary Flames. Coming up in a couple of moments, Greg Wyshynski from ESPN. It is MVSW Wednesdays here and the random player of the day. Going Minnesota style on this one. Merrick Show, Hour 2 on the horizon. Keep it here. 
big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Book that I'm diving into today. Welcome back to the program. Looking forward to talking to him on the program sometime next week. It's called The Science of Hockey, The Math, Technology, and Data Behind the Sport. Kevin Snow, uh, who I met when he was working with the Buffalo Sabres uh, in media relations, uh, has penned this one. Cracking the spine today, The Science of Hockey. Uh, Kevin's smart, um, and he makes you smarter when you read his stuff. Uh, looking forward to uh, to reading this one starting tonight. Also tonight at uh, 7 o'clock Eastern, pregame getting underway at 6.30. Uh, on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1, it is Scotiabank Wednesday Night Hockey. It is the Colorado Avalanche facing off against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Looking forward to that one. One of four on the board. And, man, is Washington Buffalo a big one. I don't want to say that it's, you know, the winner still has a chance at a wild card spot and the loser is done. But it kind of feels that way. Buffalo and Washington, Colorado-Toronto. Also, the Minnesota Wild face off against the St. Louis Blues and the New York Islanders take on the Anaheim Ducks. Matt Marchese is aboard once again for the random player du jour. How are you today, Matty? I'm good. I got to figure out how to get books. Like, I figured fill-in host for the Jeff Merrick show would have been good enough, but apparently not. Oh, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> Can you, uh, as Lance Kennedy just mentioned, uh, you got to be able to read them first. Ooh, nice. Well done. He's probably only half wrong about that. So one one of my uh, one of my favorite lines from the old show Cheers, uh Coach Ernie Pantuso. Oh, what a great character. Uh hey coach, what was your nickname when you were a kid? Red. Oh, really? Is that because you had red hair? No, it's because I read a book. <laughs> what we got for the uh the random player of the day today, Maddie. Okay, this one is maybe one of your favorite people ever in hockey. Um, and when I submitted this, I went, oh, Jeff's going to pick this one. Uh, Lou Nanny, and this one's submitted by Mike Philly. Oh, yeah. One of my favorite people, hands down. And I had spoken to Lou a number of times on various radio shows before. And last year, almost like exactly a year ago at the GM's meeting in Florida, uh, and Mike Russo arranged all of this, and I'll forever be indebted to the great Mike Russo from The Athletic. Um, got to go out to dinner with um, with the great Lou Nanny, Sweet Lou from the Sioux, as they called them. Uh, it was me and Russo and Lou and Elliot Friedman and a couple of other buddies as well. And I sat next to Lou for the entire dinner and just uh, picked his brain and talked about hockey. And he is as sharp as he ever was uh, and still follows the game very much. Obviously, still with a very strong Minnesota slant, uh, both Gophers and Wild. Um, and it was just a thrill to hang out with uh, with Lou Nanny for an entire evening. But here's the deal. So uh, Lou Nanny, sweet Lou from the Sioux, right shot defenseman. Um, went to University of Minnesota and played there, played for the Minnesota Nurse Stars from uh, 67 to 78. Uh, former manager of the Minnesota Nurse Stars, always loved Glenn Sonmore, uh, who he called the best coach the Minnesota Nurse Stars ever had. Um, Lou Nanny took a pretty bad Minnesota team and in three years made them cup finalists and in the process raised season tickets from 4,000 to 10,000. And when you think about Lou Nanny, this is how I always think about him, great marketing mind and great business mind. Um, I've always maintained he was the best 
president slash commissioner that the NHL never had. And there were various people at the time who said, you know, with all due respect to John Ziegler, et cetera, that Lou Nanny uh, should have been the president of the National Hockey League with a, a sharp eye on marketing and moving the game forward and growing the game specifically stateside, um, appreciated and knew the value of television uh, more than most. Um, I mentioned the 1980 final against the New York Islanders. Uh, the team bowed out uh, against them four games to one. Um, he took over, you know, when he first took over the the Minnesota North Stars, Maddie he traded his roommate, uh, Doug Hicks, to the Chicago Blackhawks. Um, this is the era where the Cleveland Barons were absorbed by the Minnesota North Stars as well. So all of a sudden, he had to sort out 63 players um, he had to uh, to deal with. He was an innovator and a very progressive thinker um, back in his day when he was running with the North Stars. Um, he always felt that teams should be, uh, teams should get penalty. He always wanted the, the game to keep going, and this is a flow game, and it didn't like artificial stops to the game. Uh, he felt the goaltenders should be penalized for smothering the puck. Uh, he also uh, believed that teams should only change while the play was going on. Um, no line changes after a whistle. This is in order to keep the game going and keep the pace of uh, piece of the game going. Um, he was one of the ones early to talk about introducing overtime uh, after ties in the NHL. Uh, he did play a couple of exhibition games instead of the three 20-minute periods. Instead, two 30s, uh, so going to a halftime format. And what I always found interesting, and this is what Nanny always pushed for, he said, look, we have a game that is international in scope, um, and we should accentuate that. And he always felt that what the NHL should do is get rid of the first round of the playoffs, shrink the playoffs, but the Stanley Cup champion then goes off to face off against the European champion, somehow come up with a championship from all the European squads and then have the NHL Stanley Cup champion face off in a best of seven against that team. And the other thing that I always remember about Lou Nanny and those Minnesota North Stars, they were a free wheeling, fun to watch team. And I want to play something here, uh, a bit of audio. Let me grab where it's from. This is Lou Nanny. In 1979, okay, so he's the general manager of the Minnesota North Stars. He's at a Toronto Maple Leafs Montreal Canadiens playoff game between the first and second overtime periods. Game three, Montreal, Toronto, invited into the studio to act as an analyst. And normally most general managers are it's playoffs and blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to talk. Here's Lou Nanny on Hockey Night in Canada, 1979, with Dave Hodge breaking down a Daryl Sittler goal earlier from that game. Let's go into the Wayback Machine, Hockey Night in Canada, April 21st, 1979. Let's go downstairs now to Dave Hodge and Lou Nanny. We found Lou in the crowd in the third period and uh, figured that uh, there had to be a reason for him to say hello to his fans, so we thought we'd have overtime. <laughs> Lou, we're talking about the Canadians maybe changing things a little bit uh, with the one-goal lead going to the third period. What did the Leafs do, if anything, that was different and enabled them to come back? Well, David, in the last 10 minutes, I believe it was 10.06, I noticed, on the clock, when they finally decided that every time Lafleur, uh, Le Lemaire, and Shutt came out there, rather than putting Jones, Butler, and Boutet out, they put Boutet out to stay in Lafleur, but they finally went to the offense and put McDonald and Sittler out there. You're one goal down, and that's basically what they should do. If you're even strength, you probably would want to stay with the checking line, but anytime you're behind, 
and especially later in the game, rather than staying with the checking line, you better have some offense too. Otherwise, you just look at the clock and say, for the next minute and 20 seconds, we won't score, but maybe they won't. At that stage of the game, they finally turned to the offense, hoping that maybe Siddler and McDonald could get a goal, and uh, eventually, in a later shift, Siddler did get a goal. Well, we want to look at that Siddler goal, and uh, while we're doing that, I, I, I want your thoughts as to whether the Leafs should continue to play it this way. Well, what happens here is England gets caught fat, flat-footed, and Siddler goes to the outside, and any time you've got nothing to do with the puck, it's never wrong to put it at the net, and it deflects off the point. But the key thing here was the fact that uh, they did have the offensive line out there, Montreal did, and rather than having the left wing over on the board so the defenseman can't come deep, the defenseman was standing up, he got caught a little on the outside, he takes the man outside, but Siddler's shot goes across the front and deflects off the point. And the key is that uh, really Montreal didn't have a defensive line out there, and they shouldn't have because uh, they've got uh, one of the better lines, if not the best line in the league out there at that time, but when Toronto did get the opportunity, they capitalized on it. I love him. I just love Maddie. I'm so happy at this one. So happy to talk. And there's so many more great stories about the great Lou Nanny, um, pioneer, visionary, uh, forward thinker, um, player, manager, uh, businessman, marketer, uh, and as I mentioned, the best president the NHL never had. I know we're having you on time. There's another player of the day, random style, that I wanted to get to, but I'm not going to have a chance because of time. We'll do it tomorrow. Um, but when I say Lou Nanny, what do you think of? Uh, just my the favorite story that I have of Lou Nanny, just reading about him, was that he turned down a contract offer from the Blackhawks right after he was done school because he was it, it was more money for him to work at uh, the envelope manufacturing company that he was working for, <laughs> which is fantastic. <laughs> Oh, I love that man. Uh, thanks to Mike Filion for uh, submitting that one. Random player of the day, uh, JM Show at Sportsnet.ca uh, to nominate yours. Thanks to Greg Wyshynski. Thanks to Louis DeBras. Thanks to Elliot Friedman, General Nick, Lance Kennedy, and Matt Marchese, who are the real stars of this program. Broadcasting from my basement, signing off from the NBC Merrick Broadcasting Center, wishing you good afternoon. Talk to you tomorrow at 12 when the Merrick Show returns.